Thanks for checking out the Long and Short of It podcast. You can find us on all good podcast platforms and on the YouTube channel, The Subtext. Hello and welcome to the Long and Short of It, the podcast where we discuss each of the games on the Metacritic Top 100 list. I'm Dan and I'm joined by... I am Lawrence. Welcome to the podcast. How's it going today? Good. I'm glad it's the weekend. Um busy well busy few weeks so yeah just enjoying some downtime i think and i'm i'm looking forward to recording this episode actually so yeah all good what about you yeah um released new video for the channel this you week did. i was very happy that that was finally done that's three and a half months work so check that out if you haven't already done so on the youtube channel the subtext and I'm also looking forward to recording this episode because we've kind of got a new structure going. Um, but we'll get into that, obviously. So today we're going to be talking about the very recently released The Last of Us 2, which, as of this recording, is number 62 on the list with a meta score of 94. Now, the reason I say as of this recording is because... It's been fluctuating quite a lot, and I wouldn't be surprised if it ended up a bit lower than that. But nevertheless, we will carry on. Um, so how did you find the game this week? It was it was a bit of a slog um, initially. I made no kind of uh, I made no qualms about the fact when we recorded the Last of Us Part One episode that I wasn't really fussed about this game coming out. I was perfectly happy with the way that the first game ended. So for me, this coming out, it was, it, it it had an uphill battle with me because it had to justify its existence, if that makes sense, before we even got into anything else. Um, but I finished it last night. I mean, we're recording on the 4th of July, so I, I finished it last night, Friday night, and um, I ended up really enjoying it. And we've not really spoken too much, you and me, about my overall feelings for this because we haven't really had time whereas you finished it a few days ago didn't you um, yeah and you've had time to let it sink in a bit more but um definitely yeah it's been an interesting kind of week and a half two weeks trying to get through this game um but yeah how about you i completed it on tuesday and i'm still kind of grappling with how i feel about this game um i know more so how i feel than i did but I think you touched on something there, um, justifying its existence. Now, did it justify its existence for you in the end? In the end, yes. But it took a long time for me to get to that that stage of of it wanting to, to get there. We should probably preface all of this by saying there are going to be major spoilers for the entire thing. Um, exactly, yeah. In this podcast, because this game is so heavily tied with its story. You could probably get away with talking about The Last of Us Part 1 without spoiling it. With this one, you, you just can't. It's, it's not possible. I don't um, know. I think I think The Last of Us 1 as well is equally um, spoiler heavy, I suppose. Mm. And yeah, you're right. We, there are going to be a lot of spoilers here. So if you haven't played the game yet and you want to, then I would suggest going away and playing it. Yeah. But if you are ready for a deep breakdown, I suppose, of the game, then you're in the right place. 
indeed. Okay, so um, just going to set you a little challenge now. Just right off the bat, jump right into it. No, uh, <laughs> no warnings. Um, in roughly two minutes, can you give me the plot of The Last of Us 2? Are you going to time me? I'm going to time you. I'm, I'm timing you according to my phone. And okay. I will I will slow you down, stop you when when necessary. All right. Um, okay. So the Last of Us Part Two takes place roughly about four or five years after the Last of Us Part One ends, where Joel has murdered a majority of the Fireflies in a hospital to save Ellie from being killed, for them to find a vaccine from her uh, from the fungal mutation on her brain. The game takes place in Jackson. And we are faced with, I think it's a 19-year-old Ellie. Joel's a few years older. And things are pretty pretty solid. You know, things are normal for them. They're going out on patrols. They're part of a huge community. And everything seems fine. And then about probably an hour and a half into the game, um, you're playing as a new character called Abby. And you run into Joel and Tommy while you are being chased by some infected um, Abby leads Joel and Tommy to a like a, a huge house where she's staying with her faction, uh, the WLF, and she basically one minute turn- remaining. Oh man, turns round, um, shoots Joel in the leg, and brutally murders Joel. Ellie tries to come and save him, but fails. And the rest of the story from there is about Ellie trying to get revenge for Joel's death. Um, going to extreme measures, kind of losing herself as part of that. And, yeah, trying to come to terms with the loss of her father figure. And the game does a switch halfway through where you start playing as Abby and you kind of get more of a feel for why she did what she did. And the game tries tries to make you emote, I suppose, with her reasoning for wanting Joel dead. And, yeah... Is basically a story on revenge, on vengeance, and what obsession can really do to you, and leaves you with the message of an eye for an eye will turn, will turn the world blind, I suppose. And that is my two-minute wrap-up of The Last of Us 2's plot. That was that was pretty good. Um, and and the reason we did that is because if you want the plot, you can go to Wikipedia, you can go to anywhere else. Yeah. Um. Just we want to analyze the stuff that goes on in the the story rather than talk about the story itself. Yeah. Um. Just want to uh, mention the ending. Um. So it ends with Ellie and Abby facing off by the sea, and there is a big fight, and Ellie has Abby on the verge of death, and Ellie in that moment sees Joel in her mind and she lets Abby go and then we flash to a farmhouse where Abby where Ellie has been living with her girlfriend Dina Dina and Dina has left the farmhouse and Ellie is alone the farmhouse has been stripped of all furniture of all belongings except for Ellie's and she starts trying to play her guitar with her battle <laughs> battle she's lost destroyed two fingers. fingers. Yeah. yeah, she lost two fingers in the fight and she tries to play the guitar and Can't. then she leaves and the camera goes to the window and you see her walking away. And then the credits roll and then we see a shot of Catalina Island where Abby has 
made it there with Lev to meet the Fireflies, which is probably a, a plot strand that we didn't mention, but yes. Um, hey-ho. Uh, so what did you think of the story as a whole? It, it, it was difficult at first. This... This story, I mean, as I just said in the the plot wrap up there, Joel dies early on, and Joel doesn't die well. <laughs> um, it, I, th- I think the words you used when we discussed it earlier in the week, Joel dies like a dog. Um, yeah, and y- you kind of have to have the the argument that Joel had it coming, but following Joel's death, I kind of I didn't want to stop playing it, but it took the wind out of my sails a bit because he's such an important character. And we both said in The Last of Us Part 1, he was our favourite element of that game. He's such a conflicted character and he's such a complex character. For him to just be ripped away from you like that is is hard, like it's heavy. But once I managed to get back into the swing of things in the story, I did start to enjoy it. Because I said to you a few times over the past week and a half that I was really struggling to get into it. But... Once the, the the switch happens where you think you've got to the, the end of the main story and then you go back um, to the start again, but you're thrust into playing as Abby, who you're really, you're, you're trained to hate. Um, that's when I started to really enjoy the game. I feel the first half where you play as Ellie and you're going about trying to get revenge on all these people, I enjoyed it, but I enjoyed playing as Abby a lot more in terms of you know, the gameplay and the progression of the story and seeing it from both sides. Um, So it is a complex one, but I'm glad that I saw it through, I think, is how I'd sum it up. What about yourself? Yeah, I I think when we did the Last of Us episode, we kind of misread the room because we said that we liked Joel and we thought the general consensus was that um, Joel was very much seen as a bad guy. But given the outcry that has happened with this game, yeah, a huge amount of backlash. Um, I think we can safely say we were wrong in saying that Joel was very much, as we thought, considered, um, I suppose... A gaming icon. uh, uh, Yeah, an anti-hero. Yeah, in in the the strain of Walter White in Breaking Bad. He's somewhat a bad guy, but you're rooting for him. Yeah, for by a vast majority of the audience. So I think we misread the room there. Um, and the death of Joel has been divisive. Uh, some people were saying that he fully deserved it for what he did. Some people were really, really, probably ludicrously angry about it. Um, but I think what we, what we need to what we need to remember is that we kind. I mean. I knew nothing about The Last of Us 2 before release, but I I wasn't even sure Joel was going to be there. I thought he was going to have died long before. So the fact that he died very early on doesn't really surprise me. I don't think it really surprised anyone. I don't know what people were were expecting. expecting. Yeah. And given what Joel did, there was no way that there weren't going to be any repercussions for that decision that he made in The Last of Us 1. So we're kind of just seeing those repercussions and I think you're right when you say that um, Abby's section is more enjoyable. For me, I felt the same way. I know that some people didn't. But for me, the reason was not because of her character, but purely because of the things that she was doing. Um, now, you know that I enjoyed 
day two of Abbey and day three of Abbey quite a lot. I would say that they're the high points of my playthrough, with the exception of the introduction. Um, so, it's, it's, the thing with this game at the moment is that there are so many different opinions going around about what's good and what's not. I think it was a ballsy move to do that by Naughty Dog because you're you're groomed at the start of the game to just hate Abby. Like, that's it. Because everyone likes Joel. And then halfway through the game, it's like, right, you're playing as her now. That's it. And, like, that's a ballsy move. And you and me have both watched a fair few videos and listened to quite a bit following up um, playing this game. And I think it's summed up quite well that with Abby, the idea is... Yes, she's done something awful that everyone hates her for. But when you play as her, it's okay. Well, you've you've done Ellie's bit. Now walk a mile in her shoes. See where she's, see where she's come from. The reasons for her doing this, and we didn't sum it up. But the reason that Abby, um, has a vendetta against Joel is because at the end of the first game, when Joel goes to save Ellie from the operating table, he shoots the surgeon who is going to operate on Ellie. And it turns out that um, the surgeon was Abby's father. So she's pretty justified in wanting her revenge. And I think the whole second half of the game is to make you question, okay, I don't I don't like this character for what she did, but I understand why she did it. And I can I can relate to that now. And especially when Ellie's gone and murdered all of her friends who really that's all Abby has left in the world as her friends. And I know you watched the same video by um by girlfriend reviews. Oh, I didn't watch it. Oh, did you not? She no, poses she poses a statement at the end of the video which I think is very um poignant where she says if you completed the game and you didn't at least relate to Abby or understand where she was coming from, then you finished the game with the controller but the game the naughty dog was playing with your morality is something that maybe you lost if you just finished that game still thinking no i wanted abby to die I, I don't care about abby then maybe there's something lost on the way in terms of where you stand in terms of that and that's quite a it's quite a ballsy thing to say because saying to someone okay maybe your morals are swift it's, it's a, it's a I, big I statement know. i think i think that's a i think that's an accurate statement and i think um, it holds true because I do think there are elements to Abby's character that really are, qu- are done quite well. Yeah. And I think um, if you did come away not having an ounce of, I don't know, sympathy for her, mm. then I don't know if it suggests that you don't have morality, but I think it suggests that you didn't want to. Maybe miss something. Yeah, well, something in you was so against that uh switch to that character and what she did uh that you didn't want to see things from her perspective i also think that's a valid point of view as well because um i suppose that could be the case where some people just don't want to see from someone else's point of view Mm. um i don't think it's necessarily right but it's definitely a real world perspective sure um i think We've already talked about Metal Gear Solid 2 on this channel, and we talked about um, the major switch, yeah. bait and switch that they did with Raiden and, and Snake. Now, this is similar to that. On your first playthrough, you you finish day three as Ellie, and you start playing as Abby, 
and I will now <laughs> relay to you what my thoughts were. I was like, oh, for God's sake, why am I playing as <laughs> why am I playing as Abby? Yeah. Um, and then I started playing as Abby, and and what made it even more frustrating was the fact that all the skill set that you've built up with Ellie Gone. has been reset for Abby. And you feel like you're starting from scratch again. Yeah. And you're playing and you're thinking it's just a short section like it was in the introduction. And it carries on. <laughs> 12 and hours you get to later. day one. <laughs> and then you start day two and you're still Abby. And then you realize, right, this is a long-term change. Um, I'm probably going to be seeing this all out as Abby now until the very end, uh, which you do. And... I think that works on your first playthrough as a surprise element for people that don't know spoilers. I think it works. But just like in Metal Gear Solid 2, it doesn't necessarily work on uh, subsequent playthroughs because I think it would have been better for them in the long term. For those people re replaying the game, I would have liked the option to have Ellie Chapter, Abby Chapter, Ellie Chapter, sure. Abby Chapter. Because... Now that I know the way that the story is going, I don't want three days of one character, three days of another, another character, and then conclusion. To me, that doesn't really feel very satisfying. Um, so the shock value that you get in day one, I don't think lasts for subsequent playthroughs. Um, that's just my opinion on it, though. No, I get what that. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I was... Um, this morning, in fact, I was talking to one of my friends, Chris, who... He got the game on release, and I messaged him this morning saying, "Have you, have you finished it yet?" And uh, he said he hadn't. He's um, what parts he says he's just done. He, I think he's on day two with Ellie, where you he's just got to the hospital to track down Nora. And I said, "All right, well, I'm not going to confirm or deny anything, but what do you think's going to happen?" He goes, well, "I think there's going to be a lot more game left, um, but I think it's going to get dragged out a bit, and I think maybe I'm going to do there'll be more flashbacks. I think." And I think maybe there'll be a couple of flashbacks for Abby and that'll be it. And I was like, okay, fair enough. And I think the first time when you wake up as Abby in Seattle day one is you think, oh, this is a bit of a flashback. But then it goes on and on and on. And I, I, I don't have a problem with it. I said to you last night that I'm probably not going to play this game again for at least a year or so. Um, Same. Because it's so, it's so bloody harrowing and it's such an it emotionally is. heavy game. I don't think I can put myself through it again for quite a while. Um, yeah, but and I, I hadn't realised. Go on. I hadn't realised how much of an emotional impact on me that it was having. Uh, yeah. Just a side story for you. Um, Ian Holm, who played uh, Bilbo, Bilbo Baggins, Baggins and also was in Alien and, and many other mm. great films, fantastic actor. He died a couple of weeks ago. He did. Um, yeah, and. I didn't. I didn't know until this week, and it was revealed to me. And it really—I don't know why—it hit, hit me really hard. Um, I mean, I really like him. I think he's yeah. a great actor. But I think it also dawned on me at that point that it wasn't just that. It was that um, the Last of Us Two had put me in this frame of mind where I was feeling probably more sensitive than I normally do. Um, yeah. So that was when I realised that it was really—it really had its claws in me, and and it fully had its claws in me. Well, um, I mean, I I said to you last night that. There were numerous moments in this game that made me well up. Um, and I'd say that there were definitely moments where I was sat there and I was like on the verge of tears. And particularly um, last night when 
you get to the end and you get the final flashback between Ellie and Joel. And it's, you, you realise that it's the last time that Ellie sees Joel alive, um, other than having half his head bashed in by a golf club. And they're just talking about what happened the night before with Dina kissing Ellie in front of everyone and, um, you know, a confrontation that takes place. And he says to Ellie, um, I don't know what Dina's intentions are with you, but she'd be lucky to have you. And they get talking about what happened at the hospital when Joel killed everyone. And Ellie's still angry about that because she wants her life to mean something. And Joel took that away from her. And it's obvious that you see in various flashbacks through the game that their relationship has become strained because of this. Very strained. And he says, um, if somehow the Lord gave me a second chance at that moment, I'd do it all over again. And she talks about... Uh, like I'll never be able to forgive you for that, but I'd like to try. And you've you've got Joel and Ellie on this on this porch, and Joel's like almost in tears, and I was like, oh god, like it it really affected me. Definitely. And I think same same as you, and I said it the other day as well that I feel since the first game, the first game didn't have much of an effect on me because I think I was a lot younger. How, what seven years ago so i was 20 22 23 22 21 22 however old i was um <laughs> i don't know maths and i remember at the time um in the first game when sarah died people were really upset and you saw people streaming it in tears people like pewdiepie um jacksepticeye and stuff on youtube and it never really affected me whereas this time around it did and i think as i've got older I've become a lot softer and this game's really like hit me hard I think um compared to the first one and I I I can't explain it because obviously you know we we said in the first game that you and me were not fathers we 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 don't have that kind of connection with a child or someone similar so I can't explain it but I don't know, like this game's left me feeling something that I can't really explain. And it's probably the That's most good though. Yeah, absolutely. Like and It means I, it's done I, a good job, yeah, hasn't it? I, I commend it for that, absolutely. But it's it, it's why I'm not gonna be able to play it again for a long time because it's so it's the most emotionally charged game I've ever played. And it's probably even though I finished it yesterday, it's you know, it isn't long enough for for it to have sunk in yet. But this is no, this is the hardest game I've ever had to play. That's made me walk away thinking about a lot of stuff. You know, yeah. And I suggested to you yesterday, and I think this holds true for me as well. I played Last of Us in twenty thirteen. It came away not really that bothered about the game itself. Mm. I did enjoy the story. Yeah. We replayed it recently, but beneath the surface, those games have been sitting with us, and we discussed Troy Baker and his ownership of the Joel character, or his uh, what he believes is his his, his ownership of the character, yeah. um, he which he's Joel. been playing for seven years. Yeah, and and I just think when something has been present, uh, part of your memories, part of your being in a way for seven years, that's where the emotion comes in, and I would say that. 
I'd be really interested to see how um, The Last of Us 2 is for a person that never played The Last of Us 1. That's what I'd be interested in seeing because um, without that context... Yeah, he's just a... The Last of Us 2, to me, doesn't seem like it would make much sense or mean much. I don't think so. Um, it'd be a well-told story in itself, but I don't think it would have that really necessary context for you to make sense of those situations. And I think that's why you wouldn't have had the emotional reaction you did without The Last of Us 1 having come first and having told that great story there. And I feel the same way. Um, my, I think um, I, I've got a theory on this, as everyone's got theories on this game at the moment. Um, you, you talked about that scene on the porch with yeah. Joel, and you talked to me before then about what you thought was their final scene, and you thought that was heartbreaking. I obviously knew that this scene was coming, and this scene is kind of a bit of redemption for both characters, I'd say. Um, I think... This is purely my take on it. Feel free to agree or disagree. And that applies to you and to our audience as well. Um, I think it's a situation where Ellie, without knowing it, has already forgiven Joel. And I think it's one of those situations where you're really angry at someone for what they did and you want to punish them for it. But you know that you're going to end up making up with them. I think she doesn't necessarily know this on surface level, but she knows it underneath. So when Joel is snatched away from her, she doesn't get the chance. She doesn't get the chance to have that punishment. And then that moment where they reconcile is taken away from her. And the anger that she's feeling across the game although it is partly at Abby for killing Joel, it's also at herself for not having realised sooner how she felt. And which is why at the end, when she fights Abby, and she finally, I don't know, something clicks. Yeah. And she realises it's not about Abby, it's about her. And that's the, that's the thought, that's the image we're left with, that it was all about Ellie. And I think it's really powerful. And I think... When you realise that the anger, I think it explains a lot of her actions, that the anger is not necessarily at these people that she doesn't know. It's at herself. It explains a lot more about her. And the other, I suppose, tragic thing is her story. She makes the same mistakes that Joel does. Yeah. She goes on a complete rampage, wipes out a load of people. Um, to the point where I heard some people questioning were her sins even bigger than Joel's in the end? And you could argue that yes. So yes, Joel um, <laughs> potentially doomed the human race, <laughs> but she, <laughs> but she, um, she s- snuffed out newborn life in that she killed a pregnant no. woman. Yeah, yeah, and I, and I think that's symbolic right there. I also want to throw this in there just to really throw a spanner in the works. Um, we didn't know whether or not. The operation on Ellie would actually work. Mm. It was all, it was all theoretical. So where the whole game is based on this theoretical idea that Joel's decision uh, could have saved the Earth, but we don't know that. That's just the the um, truth that we're presented. Um, anyway, we're moving on to our new feature. This feature is called Gameplay is King. <laughs> um, as with any game, it should be judged for its gameplay with all the other elements 
feeding into that, supporting that. That's what some people say. Um, so, how was the gameplay for you as an overview? Yeah, good. There's not much to complain about, really. It's, I mean, it's tight. We said exactly the same about The Last of Us Part 1, and not too much has changed, I don't think. There are a few uh, new elements, such as um, the, 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 the melee is more... Uh, dodging and stuff is involved instead of just mashing square to punch people um the only major complaint i had with the gameplay was what i mentioned to you yesterday which is the camera um and it, that's only in very specific moments most notably when you are facing one of the the tank kind of bad guys let's call them brutes brutes there you go um and it can be quite difficult when you're in a fist fight that you have to do, like you can't get out of it. So with one of the brutes, um, it happened a few times when I was fighting um, Abby uh, Azeli, that the camera can kind of get a bit lost and the AI will get a few hits on you because you can't see what you're doing or something has moved. But other than that, I think that the gameplay is is solid. I know Naughty Dog always kind of implement things in from other games. Um, you know, with um, with The Last of Us Part 1, there were lots of elements that they'd trialled in the Uncharted games that they then brought into The Last of Us. And I think it's probably similar with this game. Um, yeah. I haven't played Uncharted 3 or 4, but I imagine it's similar. And it's tight gameplay. Like, there are a few niggles here and there, as I've just said, but overall, it's solid. Um, and I think that's what people come to expect from Naughty Dog as well. They expect well-polished, tight gameplay. And I think that delivers here. Yeah, I think it's... A, I would describe it as a significant redefinement of what The Last of Us did well. Mm. And we really... Um, we were generally positive about The Last of Us, but we really criticised The Last of Us for its artificial intelligence. <laughs> and I'm happy to say that it has had a significant overhaul here. I could maybe point out two moments in the whole game where I thought that my AI companion was being a bit too um, loud and that the enemy AI should have spotted them, which compared to constant in the first game um, is, is really quite impressive. So I think they did a really good job there. And obviously you've got new abilities like the ability to go prone yes. you've got um the fantastic glass smashing animations which i love and you just got more options to do things the way you want to do them it's a fun game to play do you think it's fun um for the gameplay yes the the, the, the gameplay is fun um if we take away the story and all of the other underlying themes that yes it's a fun game and how responsive do you think it is? Um, yeah, good. I mean, to touch on what you just said about the AI, I agree that the AI is better. However, there were, I, I didn't have a problem this time round with um, characters running in the sights of enemies and stuff like that and nothing happening. But I, get, I got like blocked in um, door frames and stuff quite a lot by characters this time. And yeah, it I happened a few times with... Um, when I was playing as Ellie, when Jesse's accompanying you, and I was just yeah. like, "Dude, move, move, move!" And I had Lev tra tra trapping me in doorways. Yeah, that, was nice. that did my head in. But other than that, it, it, it was. Um, I agree with you. It was a 
a vast improvement over The Last of Us. Yeah, the only other AI niggle I had was that when you're in cover and your AI companion is in cover with you and they're right at the edge, but you want to be right at the edge, you end up standing behind them so you can't yeah. get that stealth kill that you're looking for, yeah. which is a bit frustrating. I agree. Um, and what's your favourite bit of the the, uh, the gameplay? Um, can I choose three? You can choose three. I'll choose three. Um, the first one is the section when Abby and Lev are making their way. Oh, 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 careful, careful, careful. This is this is not your high point for the game itself. This is the best bit of the gameplay. Um, okay, probably the compound then um, at the end of the game where you are closing in on where Abby's located after she'd been captured by, are they called the Rattlers or the Rattlesnakes? Rattlers. It's such a bad faction name. <laughs> yeah, it's like a cliche post-apocalyptic snatched straight from the walking yeah. dead. <laughs> um but yeah, you, you you break into the Rattlers compound and you're trying to sneak your way through. Uh I like the fact that they were infected, chained up and you could shoot the chains and they'd get loose and start attacking the Rattlers. I really enjoyed that section. It was right at the end like probably within 30 minutes left of the game itself, but I really enjoyed that section. It was it was good fun. And I'd say the same about Scar Island as well. That was fun. Um yeah. I mean, I'll throw the question back at you, but I think I already know your answer. Um, so I'm, 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 I'm more focusing on the gameplay elements itself. Like, what, what, what part of the, what part of the gameplay, um, what move do you like, or what? Oh, okay. Um, like, uh, what possibility that that you can do in this game do you like? Um, so, I, like I said, the glass smashing is is great, and I also think the kickback from the weapons is just really good. And using the bow, um, yeah, they're I my like personal the favourites. I think. Yeah, I, and Molotovs. Molotovs are, are great. Back and they're brilliant. I'd say always fun to use. If we're going off that, then um, obviously I've mis mis uh, misread what you Doesn't said. Doesn't matter. Um, I'd probably say the combat as Abby. I think um, Abby's combat's quite good. Point satisfying. Um, with Ellie, it's more of a struggle because obviously she's she's little and she's more vulnerable. She, yeah, she's a lot more vulnerable. Whereas Abby is built like an ox <laughs> she's so hard um yeah and i felt safer playing as abby yeah same. even even during the story elements i thought abby's gonna get out of it she's a she's a tank she's massive <laughs> so, so and, and and it kind of was reassuring so when i was on my own i thought i can do this better yeah. whereas you do feel more vulnerable as ellie which is again another really interesting thing to point out um i think the best thing that I can say about the gameplay here is that it was what I envisioned The Last of Us's gameplay to be back in 2013. Okay. But I do have a caveat, and that caveat is this. If you take away the story elements and you've just got a game without any story elements or with very basic story elements, do you think this game would be anywhere near as acclaimed? So if it was just judged on its gameplay... Yeah. Um, hmm, it's an interesting question. Not as acclaimed as it is, but still somewhat acclaimed because there aren't very yeah. many games with similar play styles to this. Obviously, there are stealth games, but like we said, it's very tight, this game. So if it was on gameplay alone, I don't think it would be heralded as much as it is, but 
I think it would still be relatively up there. You know what I mean? Yeah, there's um, to me it feels a lot like anyone that's played it, The Evil Within Two. Um, this gameplay to me has quite a few similarities with that game, and they control similarly. There are similar moves you can do. The animation is definitely better in The Last of Us Two, um, but you've still got that balance between stealth and survival horror, and that game ended up getting 8s out of 10. Uh, it, it did have its own story, and the story was decent as well, but obviously it wasn't as yeah uh, bigger thing as in The Last of Us 2. Now, I'm not saying that, um, th- that the story is everything here, but I think the best way I can describe it is that the gameplay is in support of the story and not the other way around. Yeah, I, I, I'd agree with that. The, the story... Like, like I said to you, when you asked that question, is it fun to play? I just said, it's fun to play if you remove the story from it because it's so emotionally battering. But without that section, it's it's a fun game to play. Yeah, and it's very gruesome and you get all the um, facial animations. Gruesome. And that was the end of our new section called Gameplay is King. So you can expect that going forward. There we go. Uh, <laughs> um, right, now production values of this game what really impressed you with the production values were there any flaws for you the the graphics we we said um on the last episode in red dead 2 i know you said that the storms in red dead 2 were probably some of the best you'd seen in gaming there were a few parts in last of us part 2 where i felt similar to what you said in red dead 2 it's an incredibly good looking game and it's interesting that it's come out towards the end of the ps4's life cycle the same as what the last of us did on the ps3 i would be very surprised if they didn't re-release this game on the ps5 when it comes out and it will look even better absolutely but this is probably the best i've said this a few times on this podcast now but this is probably one of the best games i've looked at visually um (laughs) You're going to have to narrow that list down at some point. I know. It's because we keep playing games where the graphics are good and then something else comes out. It's like, oh, that's, that looks good. Um, but yeah, I think I'd be really interested to see a lot of the mocap stuff they did for this game. There's a lot of mocap footage on YouTube of the first game and it was really interesting to watch. And obviously the performances by Troy Baker, Ashley Johnson, Laura Bailey are solid. They're so good. And... I think sound is is similar to the first game. There's a lot of um, like guitar in this. I can't remember the the composer's name, um, but a lot of the music. Know. Do you know what I mean? It's, yeah, yeah. It's similar to the first game, and also the um, the use of um, <clears throat> music that's uh, licensed music. In this game, obviously, there's no actual playing of that music, but it's kind of renditions. But um, Ellie singing "Take on Me" and "Future Days" by Pearl Jam being played throughout the entire game, um, I think, was solid. The production in this game is is huge, and obviously, that does come with a caveat of Naughty Dog, you know, having to go through a lot of crunch to get this game out and a lot of hard work. Um, and I can't say that it pays off because I don't agree with crunch, but it's an incredibly good looking, well sounding and well playing game is the way that I'd sum that up, I suppose. 
yeah, best facial animations I've ever, ever seen in a game. Mm. I can't, even something like L.A. LA, uh, LA Noir. Yeah. <laughs> back in back in the PS3 360 era. I can't speak. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. Um, back then, I mean, they kind of rewrote. That was early, wasn't it? That was early mocap. Yeah, and it was what they did was they used special cameras mm. um, without without even using the uh, motion capture. Um, I don't know what they call them the the balls that they yeah, put motion capture face. balls. <laughs> yeah, yeah, those things. Um, without those, so they just filmed the actors' faces and they filmed them from so many different angles that they got all the nuances in into the uh, into the game, and that was really really impressive. And this has overtaken that for me because I still think that was one of the most impressive. But this has overtaken it. Yeah, um, LA, LA Noir still holds up, I think. Oh yeah, it definitely does. Um, that's not to take anything away from what they did in LA Noir, which they didn't really use afterwards because it was so expensive to do. Mm. But this is this beats it um, to me. And I think I said to you, um, I said it in the last episode, in fact, that. It feels, again, like a refinement of those visuals from the first game, except for the facial animations, which are out of this world. Um, it feels very much the same tone, same colour schemes, but massively, massively refined. And I think the sound design beats everything graphically, apart from the facial animations. I think the sound design is phenomenal. Really, really good. Um, just all those moments when you're playing... Uh, I mean, um, uh, it comes into my mind uh, the gurgling when you when you take someone out and then oh yeah you get uh, Jim Sterling in his video doing doing the <laughs> <laughs> oh dear uh, so yeah great great production um, now before we get to another new feature I want to talk about the world building. And not just the world building, but the level design. Um, so what stands out from the world building and the level design to you? And this is this is an area that I like to, I love talking about. Um, it's kind of what I focus on a lot in my, um, in my videos on the channel. And I think, I mean, I, I'll start off. Um, I think um, the world building here is excellent. I think it's really, really good. I think uh, everything looks significantly different from everywhere else i mean level design is not quite as good as the world building itself now to define world building world building is all those uh, to me it's all those little incidental things that you see that really yeah immerse you in the game's world I and i think it does you. really well there yeah um, and level design is um other things that practically the way that the map is laid out um, the logic that goes on behind the scenes of that. So, so what do you think of it? Um, the world building itself, I thought it was relatively consistent. But when you first get to Seattle as Ellie and Dina, you've got that huge open space um, and you can track things on your map and go and explore different areas or you can just go straight to your goal. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that's the only time something like that was implemented. Um, yeah, that 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 I would say is more level design, and I I completely I really wanted to touch on that. Um, it's a shame because, there was more of it. Yeah, these really large open areas they originated in Uncharted Four. Mm. Um, there was this huge open area where you got to drive around in a car, 
and you could go to different places and they repeated it in Uncharted The Lost Legacy and I think there were two of them in that game whereas I think there was only one in Uncharted 4 so I think these areas take a lot of development to do now that yeah like you say there's only one in The Last of Us 2 there are definitely expanded areas yeah but they're nowhere near the scale that you can that you have in this area where you're riding around on a horse. Mm. You can go to so many different places. I love that area. I think it's fantastic. Oh, I think good. it's the level design of not just The Last of Us 2, but Uncharted The Lost Legacy and Uncharted 4 at its best. And I agree. I would have loved to have seen more of that. And I thought if they were going to have it, why throw it in so early? Mm. Um yeah. I'd have liked to have seen it maybe halfway through the game because you do end up missing those locations. Yeah. To me, you you get to Seattle, it opens up in this huge area, really, really big. And then from then on, it kind of narrows down and narrows down. Linear. Yeah, and, and especially by Abby's later bits, it becomes very, very linear to the point where it's um, close to being like The Last of Us 1 again. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, I completely agree with you there. Uh, and it also raises another issue that we have, which is the, um, um, oh, we can't go that way. Or, mm. oh, we need to find this to get to this place. So that section, that whole open area um, happens after they need to find electricity. Oh, no, they need to find gas to power a generator to get electricity to open a gate. Yeah. Now, this can lead to a two-hour side quest, basically, to look for this gas. Um, or you could just race through it if you wanted to. But uh, it's it's one of the many artificial obstacles in this game to pad out the game, which leads me to is is how long should this game be? Well, I was just going to touch on the world uh, building element um, because there was one thing that I wanted to bring up quickly. Is yeah. um, obviously you know you can see um, in the world that you know there's a lot of PlayStation threes, there are Naughty Dog games around Jack and Daxter, uh, the Uncharted games and stuff that you can see in people's apartments. But there was one thing that I um, I watched a video earlier and um, I'd noticed it, but I didn't think anything of it when I when I was playing. But in Ellie's room, do you remember in the first game um, when you're with Henry and Sam, you go into a toy store and yeah. It was Sam the younger one, or was it Henry? I think it's Sam. Um, Sam. Yeah, he picks up that robot, and Henry says, we don't take anything unless we need it. Put it back. You can't have it. And Ellie takes it and gives it to him, or tries to give it to him later, just before he turns, and obviously then Henry shoots himself. Um, And in the following chapter, when you're going towards um, Tommy's area with Joel, Ellie brings up, that she still had it on her and she wanted to put it on his grave, but she forgot and she didn't know what to do with it. If you look around Ellie's room uh, at the start of the game when you're in Jackson, um, that robot's that robot's on her shelf, and I just thought that was such a nice little, um, nice little touch. Absolutely, I think the attention to detail that uh, Naughty Dog displays here and yeah. that they have in general um, is really one of the best in the business. Yeah, um, at the expense of crunch as you sh- as, as you as you so rightly pointed out um but yeah the the, the attention to detail here is just it phenomenal is. and uh, the world building i think the world building like i say is excellent i think some of the level design is a bit questionable yeah. and i think uh the length of this game i mean i was playing on hard difficulty and i was literally scouring everything looking for everything which led to this really strange gameplay style that i had where i would take out the enemies 
and then run round oh, yeah, the edges well. of every single room, yeah. tapping the uh, X button, trying to yeah. <laughs> pick up everything I could. Yeah. And it dawned on me at several points in the game that this is quite tedious, having to um, look for resources like this. And probably wasn't what was intended of the game, but it's the game that they've yeah, created the with all these uh, materials to scavenge. And especially on hard difficulty, a lot of the time you needed them, so yeah. it was necessary. Well, so it's a really strange gameplay dynamic and a really strange. Um, um, I can't think of the word, but um, yeah, it was it was um, an odd thing, and I think they could have shaved off. I would have happily shaved off of my game game time. 10 hours so bringing it down to maybe sub 20 hours yeah well we we both agreed that we feel and i know jim sterling said the same that he wanted this game to be five hours shorter and i think you and me both agreed that there is a point in the game where it, it could have ended and i think it should have ended which is um where abby and ellie have faced off in the theater and Abby has let Ellie go, saying, don't let me ever see you again. And then it flashes forward about two years. It's about a year or two, isn't it? Um, and Ellie and Dina are living in that farmhouse that you mentioned earlier. And Dina's given birth to um, JJ, who was Jesse's boyfriend, who was one of their little gang. And one of their little crew. Did you just... <laughs> what? You just said... Dina's given birth to JJ, who was Jesse's boyfriend. <laughs> JJ is Jesse's son, who Jesse was Dina's boyfriend when they were all a member of the Backstreet Kids. Um, but yeah, the, um, the, the the game basically has Ellie taking JJ out to sit on a tractor and look at the sunset. And I think that's where the game should have ended with um, Ellie sat with... Jesse's ex-boyfriend JJ the baby uh, <laughs> but I, I think that would have been a good ending point for it um, yeah, I don't think um, it needed and, to go on for another five hours and then Tommy coming in and completely breaking with his entire well, this, this, I, I, I completely agree with you and this is this is part of the issue I think that there is I mean I do like the final ending that we get to but yes. I feel like yeah you're right it could have ended there um Tommy didn't need to have a xenomorph inside him and turn horrible and also survive death inexplicably because um, he was shot face. in the face. Um, so, yeah, that that was weird. You go to Santa Barbara, which is really a cool section, um, but it does feel tacked on. It doesn't feel... It feels like, like we talked DLC. about in the Last of Us 2 episode, yeah, it feels like um, you've already peaked. You've got to the point where they faced off for the first time. You have a really interesting, annoying boss battle with Ellie herself playing as Abby. And then it kind of is in wind-down mode, but it didn't feel like wind-down mode. So you go to Santa Barbara, and Ellie comes to the realisation that she doesn't want to kill Abby. But they could have presented that on the farm by her not actually going. She could have come to that re same realisation two hours earlier. Um, so yeah, I, I do tend to agree with you. That, I think, that touches on something that you said to me during the week, is that Naughty Dog didn't want this game to be satisfying. That The, the end that we've just mentioned on the farm would have been a satisfying end. <laughs> yeah, you're end. right, yeah. She needs to lose everything, doesn't she? Yes. Um, 
And this game, this game isn't there to make you feel good or to no, you're right. make you walk away feeling accomplished. This game is meant to make you feel things and point out that things aren't always, yeah, yeah. you know, happy endings aren't always a thing. And maybe... You're 100% right. Maybe we'll get that with The Last of Us Part 3. I really, 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 really hope we don't. I hope they just leave it there with Ellie walking off and it just being left ambiguous. But who knows? But I, I, I like the way that it ended overall. It's, you know, it leaves things with questions as The Last of Us Part 1 did. But, it's, you know, it's things aren't ideal. People can do morally questionable things and, you know what would have been good for Ellie was to stay with her little family, but she didn't. And people don't always make the right decisions. And yeah, Na- Naughty Dog is a studio that is smart enough that nothing is done by accident. Everything is done for a reason. And that ending is for a yeah. reason. And they knew that Neil Druckmann's head, that he knew that this game was going to divide the fan base. And that's everything from Joel's death to the way that they handled the ending. And I agree with that they weren't going to please everyone. And with the expectations of this game being so high because of what the last of us part one is, it was, it was never going to, it was never going to achieve that for everyone, you know? And I'm really glad that you and me didn't ride the hype train for this game because like I said, I didn't even want it to exist, but I'm glad that it did. And I'm glad that I played it. Yeah. There were some nice surprises in there and I, 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 I was happy. I agree. I don't think it was supposed to be a satisfying ending. That's what I've been saying no. for the past week. Um, and I think my, my problem is not that. I think some of the pacing issues along the way and also some of the the, the scenes, I think, are in the wrong order. It feels like they, they created all these scenes separately and then they decided, they laid them out how they wanted to do them. But I feel like you could have had a better order for them Sometimes it feels like they've just um, put all the put all the scenes in a hat and said, "Okay, all right, we're starting in the snow, okay, and then we're going to have a, a flashback here." Yeah. And oh, here's day two with it's just yeah, it's just um. Anyway, you you mentioned The Last of Us Part Three. Now I am Neil Druckmann, and I'm sitting in my office, and you are somebody that has an idea for The Last of Us 3. So I want you to come into my office, please. Um, have a seat. Um, someone get him a coffee, please. Yep, there we go. Right. Um, okay. Now, you've got an idea for The Last of Us 3. Now, what is that idea? I'm very intrigued. I'd prefer it if you didn't make this game, but if you really have to, here's my idea. And feel free to ignore it, but I think what would be interesting is if we focused on the time, maybe a couple of years after the death of Sarah in the first game, and we focused on Joel surviving, and maybe, you know, a 15-hour story that ends where he meets Tess. And obviously, between you know him meeting Tess and maybe a couple of years that's when the the last of us part one really kicks in so I think it would be interesting to see how he goes from a grief-stricken father um which he arguably still is at the end of the last of us part one um seeing how he deals with the immediate grief of the death of his daughter and how that helps him survive and obviously Tommy being a member of the fireflies um 
Yeah, but feel free to not make this game, Mr. Druckmann. But if you really have to, that's my idea. Right, right, okay. And I do like that, actually. I like the idea of seeing Joel go from, like you say, grief-stricken father to the kind of cold, dispassionate person that we see. There is a story to be told there. What happens with him and Tommy? Um, what did the world look like as it was turning that's, a, that's an interesting story there. I like that. That's good. Um, yeah, I can't guarantee that we won't make it. Oh, right. Um, is that because money, mon- money's king? Money is king. Ah, right, yeah, I see. Not gameplay. Money ah, is king, right? I see, right. Okay. And and we may not do it for The Last of Us Part 3. We've got a different idea for that. Oh, okay. Um, maybe seven? Oh, okay, yeah, that'd be, that'd be really good. So... If you're around when we do seven, which will probably be in forty-five years, yeah. Um, do you want to do you want to come in for that? Um, I'm I'm all right. I'm I'm fine, thanks. Um, but best of luck with it. Can't um, can't stick your nose up at me. Uh, well, I, I bloody can actually, and maybe you should get that ego of yours checked and learn how to take criticism <laughs> of your game. I'm I'm going now. Bye, bye. <laughs> So that was your that was your pitch. That was my meeting and with Neil Druckmann that happened. That was your your meeting. That I I don't know if you know that was an actual recording that we played there. That was. Um, so I thought Neil Druckmann was American, gonna... but apparently he's from Basildon in Essex. Who who knew? <laughs> so we're going to turn that on its head now, and I'm going to come in with my pitch. Okay. Um, hello, Mr. Druckmann. Hello. Would you like a coffee? Um, you got any uh? iced tea no no we only drink black coffee here because we're american and that's what we drink all right is it because you're always crunching and yes that's that's need that right. black we, coffee we, to keep you going we need that ca- caffeine but anyway i'm a very busy man i've got people to reply right, to on right. twitter so how can i help you right right i do respect your time Thanks, mr Drummond. uh right my pitch is we want to flash forward from the last of us part two now ellie is the age that Joel was. So she's what? 45 or 50, Mr. Druckmann? Yeah, around that. Yeah, great. It's good to see, you know, the age of your characters yeah, there. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> Real attention to detail you got there, Mr. Thank Druckmann. Thank you. <laughs> uh, so she's, she's, she's around this age and she's still alone. We don't have any other characters left from the rest of uh the other games so now she's all alone not only is she all alone she's somewhere completely different now i don't know how you feel about this mr drackman but um i was thinking south america i don't know if you you like that idea uh yeah expand on that that sounds good i'm interested keep going right so i'm just thinking that we've seen the effects of the infection on america on these famous cities in America. Now, as you know, Mr. Druckmann, um, South America is quite different. It's a different place. Uh, it? it kind of runs in a different way. Oh, right. Okay. Well, I, I presumed you knew that, Mr. Druckmann. Wow. Um, I mean, <laughs> yeah, so it's a different place. And I'm thinking somewhere in South America, it could be Brazil, some, somewhere like that. And we see the effects of infection there because we've kind of covered America, Mr. Druckmann. So I think we can, we can move on from America, can't we? Um, yeah, well, I mean, I was thinking of making Jack and Daxter five, but right. that sounds really interesting. Yeah. Okay. 
Are you going to set that in Mexico? Um, yeah, I was thinking we could make it... Um, we'll have mocap for Jack and Daxter as well, so it'll be realistic. We're going to get a little ferret to oh, play nice. Daxter. Um, nice. And yeah, it'd be really good. Yeah, yeah. Okay, right. So, anyway, I was thinking that we now get to see Ellie's redemption. We get to see her finally, because I don't know about you, Mr. Druckmann, but I didn't feel like she really kind of had that closure at the end of The Last of Us 2. She had all that journey, but I don't know if she actually learned from her mistakes. So I want to see her learn from her mistakes. And I want to see this immunity that she has to her infection. I want to see that built upon. Um, I don't really know why you kind of chuck that out of the window with The Last of Us 2. So you want to fill me in on that? Uh, sorry, could you stop criticising me, please? Um, my game... <laughs> Uh, was very much like Schindler's List. Um, not sure if you know that. So don't don't you criticise me, all right? Okay. Well, well, I was thinking it was a bit more like um, John Wick. Are you being anti-Semitic? <laughs> I'm sick of this. Get out of my office. We're done. Yeah, something along those lines. I think um, we, we fast forward 40 years and we see an old Ellie, kind of like old Snake. Um reflecting on the past there could be some flashbacks in there if you want there can be some scenes in south america we can actually finally address the fact that she was the only one that was not infected or she was infected but she was immune maybe get some closure on that um i just think we want to get completely away from the story of the last of us 2 and the last of us 1 so i think we fast forward 25 years to a deeply deeply infected world could be really interesting what do you think about that, Mr. Druckmann? Um, yeah, that sounds that sounds interesting, but you have offended me. Um, so And where would it come so we talked about I heard you talking about um The Last of Us Seven. Yeah. So where would this come in line with that? Would that be uh this will number probably be four? thirteen, probably. Um right, you know, right. there's a lot of money to be made, so uh, we're we're just gonna focus on that for now. But we appreciate your uh, your input. Um right. Maybe go and watch, go and rewatch Schindler's List, and you'll you'll see the you'll see the comparisons with with our game. Right, right. Well, you can take this ice tea and you can shove it. Well, get out of my office. All right. <laughs> Send you out of your office through the window. Excuse me. <laughs> right there we go. We'll wrap that up. That was our pitches for the last first three. We hope you enjoyed that. That was um, a new feature we might bring back from time to time. I wouldn't think that uh, you'd have been to drama school, would you? God. Well, the fact that I corpse constantly is uh <laughs> is the same as drama school. Yeah, pretty much. Oh my Um alright. So few quick fire things to wrap up, I suppose. Favourite moment, or as I like to call it, the high point of the game for you. Uh, I almost mentioned this earlier, but you managed to stop me because I was saying the wrong thing at the wrong time. But it was the um the section with Abby and Lev when they are crossing the bridge um, and you really get a insight into Abby's vulnerability and her being scared to death of heights. I thought that was really well done and she's just trying not to completely lose her mind being like 200 feet up in the air. And then Lev asks her a question like, so what's going on with you and what's going on with you and Owen? And... <laughs> Abby's just like, really? Right now? No, we're not talking about this. Like, it just cracked me up. And I thought that was a really well done moment. So, yes, yeah, that good bit. Moment. What about you? Um, Favourite bit was 
the sniper battle with Tommy. I mentioned this to you. It was just a really cool section. Um, you weren't fighting tons of guards. You were just fighting one sniper. And there's a nice bit of dialogue in there where they say some new people have come in and they're kind of wreaking havoc. They're obviously referring to Tommy, Ellie and that gang or that small gang. Backstreet and kids. Yep. And they say that, oh, this person's a really good shot. And that's when it clicked. And I thought, it's Tommy. I'm, I'm now in a pseudo boss battle with Tommy. I thought that's really weird. And you get close to him and you walk out the door and he attacks you. And, and that was the first point the game managed to create a conflict within me where I felt like, oh, I'm supposed to kill him. That's what, that's what the game's asking me to do, but I don't want to. Mm. Um, and obviously they amplify that in certain scenes, but that was the first time I saw it and I thought that was really cool. So props to them for that. Um, worst moment in the game. Um, I probably wouldn't call it worst moment, but the bit that could could I say the bit that I really didn't want to play? Yeah, of course. Um, is the the final fight between Ellie and Abby when they're both just absolutely battered, and Abby is like a shell of a former self, and she's just yeah, you know, a, almost as scrawny as Ellie is, and you can see how much this journey has um, battered both of them, and you're fighting each other. Um, just off a beach in the sea um in the shallows and you because i i'd kind of been spoiled at this point i'd read somewhere that ellie was gonna let abby go but i wasn't sure and there was this the section where she's holding abby under the water and abby is basically about to die but then as you mentioned she, she sees that flash of joel playing his guitar on the porch and she i think she remembers herself or she remembers something or realizes she doesn't want to do this and she lets abby go but yeah fighting abby i i hated it because i i like yeah, both I of these like characters that. so much i, I just wanted them I to stop really just stop fighting. i felt really uncomfortable yeah. yeah it made me feel really uncomfortable when i was and 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 it starts you off in the fight and i didn't want to press anything so yeah and i know i know that was mirrored that sentiment was mirrored in a number of people yeah same here so that was kind of the the final realization of that conflict that we had but the game makes you do it, which is um, a lot of people said you should have had a choice there. But I think one of the magic things in games is that they can make you do things that you really um, shouldn't be doing. Like um, like the famous scene in Bioshock where you're following, um, I can't remember his name, but you're following the would you kindly guy's instructions and you end up killing um, oh, Ry uh, Ryan, Andrew Ryan with a, with a golf club um that's a very cool moment it's, it's one of those things the game is compelling you to do something that you really don't want to do and that's a really interesting internal struggle that you face mm. um yeah my, my worst point in the game was probably um i mean this wasn't it, it was just it was just tedious and it was just kind of where the game's mechanics revealed themselves to me and they hadn't done so before that uh, it's a bit i mentioned that you got a section on day two of ellie where you've got loads of dogs, then you've got this like three-tiered garden, and you are in tier one. There's loads of enemies to fight. Yeah, there. yeah. There's nothing to collect. There's no story, and you progress by jumping into tier two of the garden. Same again, and again down into tier three of the yeah, garden. That bit was same irritating. again, and it just uh, to me that was padding at its finest. 
and padding represents the lowest point of the last of us two for me mm. um okay so as we said at the beginning to now revert back to our initial entry points which was that the last of us two got a score of 94 it may drop lower than that it, it was number 62 or, yeah it could do if it drops another point it's gone um and splinter cell is uh redeemed i suppose <laughs> yeah so it's 62 on the list does it deserve its place and would you recommend it so a two-pronged question there for you um i think i think i'd put it equal with the last of us so i can't remember what position the last of us is on this list because it's been a while since we hire quite a lot yeah higher. well it's like 30 something wasn't it i think the last of us yeah 30 something um i'd put it equal with that because it feels like the second half of that game so obviously it is its own thing but it feels like the second half of a story that is contained do you know what i mean so yeah i'd put this level with the first one personally i prefer the story in this game as emotionally battering as it is um so i guess saying that yes it does deserve its place on the list i have a feeling that it will get dropped off because i think a lot of people are giving it low scores for one reason or another some people are just doing it to be edgy and have a hot take some people have got genuine i think there are genuine criticisms yeah there are definitely of course there are um, and I think people can take it a certain way and, and, and it can have a certain impact on them. Yes. Um, I think there are legitimate gripes, but I don't I don't necessarily feel them. No, it, well, exactly. And you and me discussed this at length um, the other day. But I, I think, yeah, I think it does deserve to be on this list. I, you, you know, you've told me about people giving it a 2 out of 10 or whatever, which I think is ridiculous. Even if you don't like what happens to, you know, gaming's daddy Joel it's still a really compelling story it's a tight game it looks incredible it sounds incredible so yeah I, th- I think it deserves to be here and i'd recommend it i recommend playing it slowly and i recommend being prepared for some really difficult things to have to do and to see and you will walk away from this not changed i think that's too broad of a, a word but I think you'll walk away from this with a lot of questions and a lot of internal struggles. So if you want some questions in your life, play this game. Yeah, 100%. Um, so yeah, how about you? Yeah, and and those, I mean, there, there were a few 5 out of 10 uh, people that would have given it 5 out of 10 that were critics. Now, they didn't actually review it, but they were just vocalising on YouTube. And their gripes were with the story. Um, they said if it was judging on the gameplay alone it would have been higher and I can fully understand why the story would um, jar people in some way and it can really put some people off because looking at it with a bit of detachment I feel like it's a bit of a mess uh, a lot of the time Um, so I find I found this game really engaging to actually play I think if I think about the story too much a lot of it is contrived a lot of it is there to make you feel, but it's not very subtle about it. Um, I would have preferred a bit more subtlety rather than I'm, I, I mentioned this word to you a few times when, you talk, when we talked about it, which was emotional manipulation. I think it does that on a, on a few occasions. Um, that being said, the whole experience I enjoyed more than The Last of Us Part One, and I would recommend it 
if possible, go in without knowing anything. But if you've listened to this podcast to this point, you know everything. You've screwed it up. Or, you shouldn't. You shouldn't have listened. Yeah, you shouldn't be here. I mean, <laughs> what are you doing? Um, as for its place on the list, I find this really difficult. Um, I think it might be too early to say as well. Yeah, you know what I mean, it hasn't had a chance really... to grow yet and to really sink in on you. You know. I think there are. I just think at, if if I'm asked this at the moment, I just think there are so many games that are better than it. But then I think it is one thing I would commend it for is I think The Last of Us one plays it really safe. I think The Last of Us two doesn't even in its emotional manipulation, crunch, bad pacing, um, whatever else, uh, which are valid criticisms. It doesn't play it safe, and I like it because of that. So you know what. Screw it, I'm putting it on the list somewhere. Fair enough, good. Right, so we have now reached the end of this episode. Um, new format, we're going to be taking some of these features forward. Um, look forward to more of those um, wonderful pitches. I think they're going to be the star of the show going forward. Um, not for every game, obviously. I don't think we can do a pitch for World of Goo 2. Uh, World of Goo was meant to be this episode, but it will be next episode. So look forward to that. This was kind of an impromptu episode based on the fact that we both got this game and we thought it would be a good time to look at it while the discussion is hot and it is very, very, very hot. So anything you want to say before we we sign off? I don't think so. Usual stuff. Um, Find us on Facebook, Twitter, email if you're so inclined. Um, We've had quite a lot of uh, feedback from the Red Dead Redemption 2 episode, which has been really nice. Um, we are still trying to grow our audience, trying to you know get our name out there, help more people find us. So, if you have enjoyed this, please do share it on either your socials or send it to someone that you think might enjoy it. We'd really appreciate that. And yeah, look forward to discussing World of Goo, which I think will be a much shorter discussion than this. But yeah, it's been good, and we will see you next time. Yep, see you on the next one. Cheerio.